0: Jolly good. So, good morning everyone. So, this morning of course we'll, con- we'll continue with the awareness of awareness. There's something quite interesting about this practice, and that is, take another classic practice that was ta- taught, practiced in all the schools of Tibetan Buddhism, and originates in India, and that is, um, generating a mental image, Buddha Muni, Tara, Manjushri, what have you, but med- generate a mental image, and then that becomes your object of mindfulness, and you just hold on for dear life, and you sustain it, and then you, and you go along the nine stages. And what happens in the course of that, if, you are, if you're sufficiently relaxed, you know, that you can really do it without just getting totally uptight, is that the image, first of all, it gradually stabilizes. It's very straightforward, conceptually very transparent. Gradually, the, uh, the image stabilizes. That's the first thing. Even though it's more like, let's say it's Buddha Shakyamuni, even though it's kind of more like a, an orange smudge, like, almost like a snowman, like there's the head and there's the body and a few robes, and kind of really vague. But you, the, the first thing is just stabilize it, and so you have this vague image, and not go for quality at all, just sheer stability. And you basically do, that's your, that's your agenda, from stages one to four, just getting it so it stays. For half an hour, 40 minutes at a time. And if you could do that, then you would, you would win the world record as far as scientists are concerned. Because I think I mentioned Stephen Coslin, who's one of the world experts among psychologists on studying mental imagery, says you can hold a minute, as far as he knows from his Harvard undergraduates, um, seven seconds. And then you lose it. So if you could, um, you know, if you wanted to do that practice um, and be able to hold that without losing it for half an hour, that would be very impressive for him. One Tibetan Lama went to his lab and was studied, and, and lo and behold, for just straight imagery, even though Tibetan Lama is quite a renowned meditation teacher, he, didn't, he did not actually do as well as the Harvard undergraduates. It was quite, quite a surprise for them. And he was asked about that afterwards, and he said, well, I'm not really doing that kind of practice much anymore, the state regeneration kind of practice, doing more Mahamudra Dzogchen kind of practice. So, in any case, if one does this, then first of all, you just try to stabilize it. You get to stage four, and then from stage four, then you start to try to bring in more of the clarity, you start bringing in more of the detail, the three-dimensionality, and so forth, and then you have that whole balancing between stability and vividness all the way through until you get to stage eight, stage nine, and then your senses are imploding, and until eventually, when you're stage nine, and then you achieve shamatha, your physical senses have totally imploded, and all that remains, in this hollow deck, in this three-dimensional holographic field of your mind is this three-dimensional image that is just about as clear to your mind's eye as if you were seeing it with your visual eye, as if you are actually seeing the Buddha. Now what's interesting here and why I mention it when we're doing a totally different practice is that once you have achieved shamatha and now you have this radiantly clear, utterly stable image you can hold for four hours minimum effortlessly, then what do you do? you drop it. You just release it into space. And then you settle. And you've achieved shamatha. It's interesting. In other words, you're using that as a a method almost like the image is a magnet for all of your attention until all your attention is drawn there and your attention takes on the form of Buddha Shakyamuni. And when it's totally done that, and that's all there is, in your world there is space and the Buddha image and your awareness of it. When that's happened, then you release it. And releasing it, now what are you aware of? substrate. And with what quality of awareness? With what type of awareness? Yep. So we can see. Excellent. Yeah. So Seipa said, you're aware of the substrate. You're aware of the space, but now with no image in it, which is a substrate. And your mind is dissolved in the substrate consciousness. So there you are. But you see the method is very different from the result. Very different from the result. Now a theme of Adriana. that this practice is not a Vajrayana practice. It's just a parallel. And I want to I've got maybe two more minutes, uh, because I don't want to run on today. Um, Is in this practice of awareness of awareness. Especially when you just get into the long-term practice, as taught by Tsongkhaba, of just resting your awareness in the sheer luminosity and the sheer cognizance of experience. That is, awareness of awareness. What you're trying to do from the first day of the practice is to enable your mind to emulate substrate consciousness. The substrate consciousness is discerning, it's intelligent, it's bright, it's clear, it's stable, it's quiet. It recognizes thoughts when they come up, but it has nothing to say. It's just quiet, luminous. And so that from day one is you're seeking to just not do anything with your mind except for what your substrate consciousness would do. And that's just being luminously, clearly present. So we see that the path and the fruit are very similar. And that's the characteristic of Vajrayana, stage regeneration, for example, that the path is emulating the fruit. It's very similar to the fruit. And so in broad strokes, this is not a Vajrayana practice, emphasize that again, but it has kind of a Vajrayana feel to it because you're seeking to, in a way, practice shamatha with your best approximation of a shamatha-achieved mind already. Okay? Good. Let's jump in. The more relaxed you can be in body and in mind without losing the clarity of your awareness the better this practice will go. So be very conscientious in settling your body in its natural state and settling your respiration in its natural rhythm. Experiment again with breathing, whether you find it more relaxing to breathe through the nostrils or to breathe through the mouth. And for a little while, calm and settle your mind with the qualities of ease, stillness, vigilance, by practicing mindfulness of breathing in any of the three ways you find most helpful. Establish this rhythm of arousing your attention with each inhalation, relaxing and releasing thoughts with every exhalation. let your eyes be gently open. And let your gaze and your mental awareness gently come to rest in the space in front of you. And for a little while, simply remain without taking anything as an object. Just sustain the flow of your presence, your attentiveness in the present moment, loose and relaxed without falling into distraction, without grasping onto any object. And now begin the oscillation of arousing, focusing, concentrating your awareness in upon itself, forcefully taking it away or withdrawing it from all appearances and right into the sheer experience of being aware. And then release your awareness into space arousing and releasing, you may set your own rhythm or if you find it helpful as a preliminary exercise, you may conjoin the rhythm with the in and out flow of the breath. This is a combination of deep relaxation, but sharp vigilance such that you release thoughts as soon as they arise and maintain to the best of your ability a non-conceptual, non-discursive flow of awareness, of awareness. Face relaxed, eyes soft, and the breathing unimpeded and effortless. And now direct your visual gaze up into the sky above you, without craning your neck, without moving your head, just the eyes. Without straining the eyes, just direct your gaze upwards into the space above you but without focusing on any object. Continue sustaining the awareness of awareness. Let your gaze come to rest as before. Just relaxed, resting in space. And direct your visual gaze to the right, again without straining the eyes, and without looking at anything to the right, just direct your gaze to the space to the right, and sustain the flow of awareness of awareness. Turn your awareness to the center and sustain the flow of your awareness, the flow of your mindfulness without distraction, without grasping, loose and present. then direct your awareness, your attention, and your visual gaze to the left. But again, without having anything on which to meditate as an object, sustain the awareness of awareness. Back to the center. Rest. Finally, direct your, your gaze downwards and practice as before. back to the center. Let's bring the session to a close. Oh, I've heard from a few reliable sources that a number of you are planning to break the retreat and hold a party or something like that at the Thai Immigration Office. It's a strange place to hold a party, but it's your call. Um, yeah? How many, how, many are, how many are heading off? So, yeah. Not, everybody Not everybody knows whether they're going? Are you gonna, are you gonna surprise them? So the, it's on the bulletin board, yeah, it's on the bulletin board. yeah. So we're <laughs> leaving right now. Good. So you'll go right now. So um, yeah, Mugi, pasi Good. So you need to leave right now. So just a word of um, you know friendly counsel, and that is whether this is a big disruption in your practice or a very minor blip on the screen or actually enhances your practice. Of course, it's really up to you. And so here would be a little bit of advice. Um, as, as if you were children in 19th century, talk only when you're, sp- talk, speak only when you're spoken to. <laughs> you know, as much as you can maintain your silence. But really, quite literally, if you speak only when you're, when you're spoken to, then you can really be resting in your own silence. Recall too, that in classical India, and this has gone on, it's even true here, but back in, during the time of the Buddha, the monks, even if they were practicing jhanas, even if they're totally in absolutely strict retreat. By and large, they would need to walk to the nearby village for their daily alms. You know, that was normal. How would they walk? They would walk the bow with the bowl in front of them, their eyes down about one yoke's length, about two meters in front of them. The eyes would be down, the bowl would be held in front of them, and they would walk mindfully, and that would be their practice. And then they would walk through the village, they would not even raise their eyes, and they would just walk, and then if a villager accosted them, called to them, they'd come, the villager would put food in the bowl, like that, but without really engaging with them. The villagers respected that. They didn't expect, oh, gee, thanks, just what I wanted, oh, rice and dal, I was really hoping for that. You know, they didn't do that. And so they just maintained their practice all the way along, they keep their eyes down so they would not be attending to objects that, that would arouse either desire, craving or hostility. And then they would just come smooth as silk, right back to the cushion, they'd eat eat their meal wash the bowl, and go right back into practice. So for your shama to practice, that's the way to do it. But also remember Shantideva, his whole chapter on introspection, and that is when some person comes into your field of vision, especially if they greet you, of course you greet them back, but when, when they come into your field of vision, just imagine that every, every person you're meeting, that they are the people preparing our meals and doing everything else needed to maintain this facility and just attend to them with that s- sense of gratitude and loving kindness and mudita. Okay? Then you'll see this is just one whole day of practice and there's not even an interruption. Okay? Enjoy your day. I'll see you this afternoon. Yes, go ahead. people that have they need to They should go anyway. Uh, yeah, and we can, we can look into that later. Yeah, but just for the time being, just go. Just go. <laughs> just go. Okie dokie. I'll see you see you this afternoon. We, you'll be back by this afternoon, yes. By 4:30, you'll be back. Yeah, good. Very good.